welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Emily Lint, and today's episode features Sylvie Maxim and Licinia Rojas. Licinia is Senior Vice President, Chief Engineer, and Chief Architect at TD Bank. She is responsible for the technical strategy at TD and is head of four practices, architecture, software engineering, quality engineering, and analyst practices. Licinia is focused on attracting and developing top talent and building best practices and standards to deliver capabilities faster, better, and simpler for the customers at TD. Sylvie Maxim is the Executive Product Owner and Vice President of Data as a Service, DAS, under the Platforms and Technology Organization at TD. She is focused on TD's enterprise data transformation, enabling the shift to data-driven organization. Sylvie is a team-first people leader with a history of maximizing business value through strategic data streams, assets, and products. I truly enjoyed sitting down with both of them and talking about the complex nature of AI implementation on top of the complex nature of being a technical female leader in the world today. They particularly brought some great perspectives, not only as female leaders, but as those of non-white heritage with their own cultural hurdles to overcome. And I honestly learned a lot. I think you will learn a lot too, not only about AI and data-driven design and its future, but also how to navigate your future as a technical leader. Thanks for tuning in to the Women in Agile podcast, and we hope you enjoy this podcast conversation. All right, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever y'all are watching this. Uh, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Emily Lint, and today we're chatting with Sylvie Maxum and Licinia Rojas. How are you guys doing this morning? Very good. Thank you. Doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Great. And uh, I'm on the East Coast with you guys this uh, this morning uh, instead of all the way on the Pacific Coast, um, having discussions with your teams and being like, yeah, no, I can, I can get up. It'll just be 5 a.m. for me, but it ended up being serendipity that I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> and so not quite as much of, a, of an early wake-up call. Um, but either way, great to be speaking with you guys. Um, so my first question uh, to everybody on the podcast, um, and so it will be the same for both of y'all, um, which is how did you find Agile? Um, and let's start with uh, Licinia this morning. So thanks for having us. And, you know, Agile, I found Agile, but I think Agile found me. It was interesting <laughs> over a decade ago. Um, I was working for a large enterprise and another financial institution. We were going down the path of switching from waterfall to agile. And at the time, it, it started as a methodology, like how to get more productivity, how to get to decisions faster, how to get to solutioning and breaking down what was the problem solve, you know, whatever we needed to solve in the, in the moment into smaller chunks, basically trying to get things out faster. But then I realized that it had much more applicability, even to your personal life, thinking about things in smaller increments, what was most important, and really just driving out your own personal productivity. So I have found that Agile is a way of life, even if you've used it for work or use it for your personal life. And I, I've been blessed to work with uh, so many, what I would say, experts in Agile through the years. And I really saw how it changed productivity both at work and at home. But mostly what I would, you know, today we'll talk more about the work part of it. But I did want to share that because prioritization 
is important when you, you know, when I'm asked often, how do you manage work, career, three children, everything else and find time for yourself? I tell people I use agile and they think it's super corny, but it really does apply. <laughs> so you're like one of those agile as a lifestyle type, type individuals. I, I totally, I totally subscribe to it. <laughs> I don't know how else I would do it. I mean, think about it. Like all the things you're managing, that's exactly what you're doing in agile when you're um, at work, you're thinking about what's most important, what needs to happen and what sequence and what order. And like you, you really get rid of all the things that are really not adding value and you try really hard. Right. But that's what you're actually doing. You're focusing on, in this case, uh, at work, you're thinking about the customer or the colleague, the experience you're trying to shape and drive. And at home, you're trying to survive and keep everything balanced trying and happy. Trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Using Agile to survive. Next podcast. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure you get a bunch of us talking about it in that way. <laughs> I agree. Awesome. Uh, great. Well, Sylvie, what, what about you? How did you find Agile? Oh, uh, like Lithinia, I think um, it's just uh, how I started my career. So basically, I started my career as an intern at TD between my bachelor in math and my master in statistics. And I have to say since then, I've done a lot in the space, like whether it's analytics, reporting inside, data strategy, uh, data management, and all of this, I can't imagine doing it seriously without the agile and without the technology. And it learned so much, as I, as Lucinia said, I think it's a way of life that, um, that creeps in on you and it's the way to be as efficient as possible uh, in your career and in your personal life. And I have to say that when I started, um, the way I started, I never knew I was going to go in that world, but there was this woman who was an actuary when, uh, who came to talk to us in high school. And I've learned what an actuary was at that time. And I said, okay, I'm going to go in math and I'm going to go do this. And then again, it opened a whole new uh, world for me. I fell in love with the analytics and decided to pursue that career in this field, which opened up the technology world and the agile world. And here I am. And I, I think again, uh, this is a way of life uh, that should apply personally and professionally. Great. Um, and I, I'm kind of curious, um, kind of starting to jump into some of the aspects we're going to talk about today around like data, um, data statistics, analytics, engineering, you know, how did you really find agile in like those spaces, you know, that sometimes can be, at least I've found like a little, a little tougher, a little bit less, less known is like kind of the back end side of things. Um, and maybe we'll start with Sylvie this time. You know what? I don't think in that space, honestly, I always often say you need a multifunctional teams and just by itself, by needing multifunctional teams, you need the agile methodology because as a statistician, which I am, I cannot do it all by myself. I do need architecture. I do need technology. I do need the engineers. I do need the development and by, and you cannot do it in silo. So just if you want to be successful, and scale up some of that work across the organization, there's no other way but to do it that way. Because you do need the strong team around you, the empower of that team to like deliver faster and have that and scale it up. So I really can't imagine how you can do it without it. And the people that do try to do it without it, I don't think they, they would be successful. Lucinia, I don't know what you think. 
I 100% agree. I think it is, it's the way you get the work done in a much more efficient and productive way. So it applies, what I would say is across industries and within the industry in the various disciplines. When I was learning Agile uh, 10 years ago, because I was leading a large Agile transformation in the company I was in, it wasn't at the largest scale that we are having right now at, at, at TD with the next evolution of work, but it was very large as well. I actually went and sat through and saw a construction company, a local construction company up doing their standups. And they were, they were showing us how they were reducing the time that it took to solve problems. And the head of the project was going through and the electrician, the plumbing, the construction, they were going all through. So this is multidisciplinary and they were showing us and bringing to life how it really comes when you apply that now in a setting, wherever you work. In our case, we work for a financial institution. Same thing, you're a data scientist. You have to think about where your models are being developed, who's bringing in the data, what's the architecture, uh, you know, who's gonna test it. So bringing in all the disciplines, you have that agile approach to understand where are the roadblocks, who's removing the obstacle. So that's why it applies uh, to, to all the work. And I'm with Sylvie, I always tell people, I know architecture and engineering, but I need someone to manage me too. <laughs> done. <laughs> and, and I have to add also the business, right, Yesenia? Like the business needs to be embedded in the stuff we do or else, again, why are we doing it if it's not the driving the value? So again, it starts with multifunctional team inclusive of all those folks. That's really what I think. Absolutely. Because you're delivering towards a goal, an so, objective, and you exactly. want that constant feedback loop. And that's one of the things that Agile brings to life exactly. is that you're also getting feedback throughout versus in the past, you're nine months into something to find out that's not exactly what I wanted. And then you have to think about, oh, now how do I undo this? Where like in Agile, you're getting that feedback constantly, even in the same day that some, you know, show and tells uh, throughout, you know, let's say whatever the process is that each team is following. That's, I love all the examples that you guys have given. I, you know, I love the the thread that you pulled around the, the construction team that you visited. That sounds like a fantastic, like, gamba walk that you did. Um, but then, like, when you think about it, like, within data and infrastructure and operations, a lot of times because things are so virtual, like, we're working on virtual systems, um, you know, in some physical systems, but then, like, people sometimes aren't really, like, as connected to those physical systems as, like, the data managers might be. Um, but those who are, like, kind of separated from it might not see it as a whole system versus, like, when you're constructing a building, you can see the whole system. And you go, no, in order for me to, like, figure out where I need to put, like, the drywall, where I need to, like, um, like how, how this, this, the whole, uh, building is set up, I'm going to need to work with the electricians. I'm going to need to work with the plumbers. I'm going to, you know, I can't just stay in my one single place, but it might be just easier for us to understand as far as like a physical, <laughs> a physical system. Um, but even then I have discussions with people who are in like physical infrastructure who have some of, who have a hard time still having those discussions um but it sounds great that like this is already getting into some of those worlds um and people are seeing success there um so kind of thinking about that transition in data engineering we're going to shift it back to transition and evolving and shifting in the women in agile community um so you guys are actively involved in the women in agile community being on this podcast um mentorship opportunities you know td bank overall 
um, I've heard has been is is fantastic at their diversity and inclusion and making sure that women are involved in a lot of these discussions. Um, but how have you seen the uh, shift in the women in agile community over the years? Uh, what has been some of the things that you've seen um, with with the growth of the women agile community? Um, and Lucinia, let's start with you. Well, I've seen tremendous growth. When I think back to 10, 12 years ago, you didn't see a lot of women in the forefront. When you went to agile conferences, you went to different events, it was a lot of men because a lot of this was coming out of the tech companies, right? So you would see the tech leaders in the space and a lot of them were men. And then now you think 10 years later, you see a lot of women. And I met some women early on. Uh, I was able to work with Shirley Foster. Uh, she, she came and worked at the company that I was at. She's now at another financial institution, but she's uh, coming in and out and of different uh, financial institutions, helping them, uh, helping them transform, coming out of uh, big tech. And I was so excited to meet her at the time because I was like, okay, here's Shirley. Tell me all about it. How's it going? And she really uh, was empowering in the sense of, you know, this is how you're going to transform and think bigger than ever before around what you're trying to solve for and get closer to the customer. So I really loved how agile brought you closer to the customer. And we were just touching upon it, but I wanted to take us there because at the end, that's what it's about really uh, driving that value to your customer or colleague, depending where your experience is coming from. And then now fast forward 10 years later at, uh, at TD, we get to work with, you know, Tina Robonet, who leads our next evolution um, of work transformation program for the entire company. She's a peer of ours. And it's great to see Tina at the forefront and Meredith Krishnami, um, who leads our agile and product manager practice. So you think about it, here are women in very senior roles in financial institutions leading the way. And this wasn't common 10 years ago. So for me personally, I'm super excited to see that change and that transition. And like that, I've seen many women um, that now are you know, owning their own agile firms and practices and the heads of those practices coming into organizations like ours um, you know, helping us shape the future. Great, thank you. And Sophie, anything to add? So, you know what, same as Lucinia, like when I look at uh, my career, I've, I've seen a great deal of change for women in the agile space, like over the last 20 years. Like the good news is I'm definitely seeing more women, like Lucinia said, and her, I take her as an example too. She's amazing. Uh, but there's definitely, I think, more room uh, for more women uh, and more diversity overall. I think we've we've been on a journey and it's getting uh, much better, but I definitely would like to see more and more um, because I think women in general bring different view uh, to problem solving and, and and in general, it's different perspectives. So I do believe that seeing more women in leadership roles helps, helps a lot. Uh, and I do need, think that uh, leading by example is the best way to go because it's important to continue to stay involved in helping to create better experience for women in analytics, agile technology. So I think in general, it, we need to pay back and, and drive, uh, drive that change. So I take it home with me as a mother of two girls. So I really look forward to always seeing them continue to be fearless, powerful young women. So I try to lead by example in that space. Yes. And I can say Sylvie does do that. She's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And I would say we definitely could do more. 
more representation at, at senior levels, right? And we still see the statistics, right? In terms of pipeline, there's more women in, in what I would say is entry level junior roles. And then that pipeline starts to become smaller and smaller. And we have to do our part to continue to elevate that. And, and I absolutely 100% women bring a different perspective. And when you think about intersectionality too, women from different backgrounds, multicultural, women of color, right? There's so many different uh, ways. In, we're really representing our customer base as well and colleagues. So really bringing women to the forefront is something that we're always continuously doing. And things like what you're doing right now, Emily helps, right? Yeah. Bringing awareness, giving yeah. us a platform to speak about it and really uh, sharing with others, right? Our experiences and encouraging them, hopefully inspiring them to keep pushing through and uh, making that change happen, making that impact. Yeah. Yeah. I um, it's it's great that you guys are already like you're 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 teasing into what um the women in agile conference um which I just went to, uh their theme was reveal, and it was really around revealing our true selves or or and then allowing for space for for example um women women of color, um people of color. Um, people of different diverse backgrounds, different um, uh, religious, LGBTQ, you know, and things like that, uh, backgrounds into this space that, um, you know, feminism and, you know, equity, you know, is um, uh, really about uh, raising up all voices and understanding that intersectionality as well for things that are potentially hidden, you know, that there aren't like as easily discernible as, you know, as um, race, but things like social economic status and things like that and allowing those, <clears throat> those biases, but also those um, perspectives to come to the forefront. Um, and I love that you guys were giving the example too of like that you have stepped into the these the next evolution, which is um, some of the work that you guys are, are working on um, at TD Bank and having female leaders to go to. And I remember one time I came into a phone call. I was like, I'd recently shifted to a new role as um, a, an agile um, product manager um, for an HR uh, software systems team. And I jumped onto a call and there was like eight, eight people on the call and they were all women. And I remember just sitting there and being like, oh, <laughs> this is, this is cool. <laughs> When you're so used to being like the one woman, you know, um, or being really excited when there's another one on the phone call and then jumping on and being like, well, good morning, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and realizing these are the people that you're working with day to day and just how much of a shift that that can be like in your day to day. Within the banking industry um, and within TG Bank, we're seeing a lot of shifts, you know, in data and analytics and AI adopting these technologies into our agile practices and into our software. So what do you really see this shift meaning for current agilists in the financial and complex sector, high compliance sectors? Yes. I mean, it's a colleague first approach for some of what we would say is the generative AI in leading architecture and engineering and those practices. It's, re it's going to really be a boost to productivity when you think about the tools and how we can leverage them internally towards our colleagues and really have them 
get to answers faster, leveraging our internal data that helped serve our customers. So that's a great way to test uh, how to leverage uh, this new technology, generative AI, in this case, the large language models that are out there now that we can leverage to help us in that way. And to Sylvie's point, I also then develop our own maturity and understanding of what you start uh, potentially in the future uh, going more direct with a customer. What would we feel more comfortable with? What seems to be the right approach? So th this is as you're maturing in this space. I mean, we leverage other forms of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and other aspects of where those areas are already mature. So there's, it's about maturing and understanding and learning. And that's one of the great uh, applicabilities of Agile because it is about creating this test and learn experimentation culture with the right guardrails, control, compliance, um, as a head of a practice, when you think about architecture, our goal is to really drive that composable architecture. So when those business opportunities do come, it's easy then to be able to uh, connect, you know, create your interface into these different types of technology so that you can then uh, create the experience you're looking for, right? Leveraging APIs, medical services, et cetera, event-driven type architecture. So there's so many applicabilities, but when you pull back, to, to it all, it's a really about driving that value, understanding what's best for the customer. And it's gonna really change the way we do technology when you think about where we are with generative AI. And that's what many of us are spending time on, prompt engineering, where is it going, how to get ahead of it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about solving problems, real world problems, and uh, taking at it with that agile mindset. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, focusing on value is what I'm hearing a lot of, like, from you, uh, Licinia, like, you know, making sure that we're focusing on value and we are, you know, continuing to make sure that as we're adopting new solutions, you know, whatever solution that you're adopting, um, you're not just going, oh, latest and greatest, <laughs> but you're going, is this actually going to solve the problem that I need to solve? Um, just, I just wanted to add something, yeah. Emily, to that. I mean, the, the approach of test and learn and experimentation is core to Agile. So although we're speaking about it in this context around data and AI, this really applies to the way we solve our problems. We do look at those opportunities sometimes first with our customers um, and we test internally first just to see before. So you can apply this logic in so many different things or even a smaller customer base so that you get that feedback and then you can then start to scale your solution. So I just wanted to share that uh, with our listeners because this really this thought process is at the core of agile um, really and not you know delivering these big things that you don't know how it's going to go you should know you should know how it's going to go and you're learning and experimenting along the way making it better and better and that could be adding controls uh, understanding um, how to release it to your customers Great. No, I, I, I love that. And that bringing us back to, to that and the test first, um, test driven development uh, that, that you might have within your organization if you're an agile organization um, and how you start with, you know, your first initial functional test within your own code. You know, you have your code testing, you have your point to point testing, you have your, uh, uh, your functional tests, your integration tests, your system tests, you know, as you start to build on. So to, to make sure that you're also doing that even with these new technologies, that it's not a big bang. It's not a like huge thing that you're launching into, that you're still taking that incremental approach. So thank you for that reminder. And just 
to add something just to finalize this. AI in itself is agile because it's self-learning, right? It's iteration <laughs> of, so we can call it that way. It's only like it's self-learning and it's that's how it becomes that powerful by that self-learning piece. So I, you know, like Lucinia, you touched upon it and I'm like AI in itself is is that way because you keep feeding back the loop and be, making it better, better and better, right? So... Agile intelligence. That's what exactly. AI means, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we made a point a new term right here. Exactly. Here we go. Ready to go. Jump into the Agile conference. Be like, AI is Agile intelligence. <laughs> awesome. You know, so we've been, we've talked a bit now about like y'all's roles um, within TD, the things that you are working on um, and focusing on data analytics, AI, infrastructure, microservices, like machine learning. So you guys have a lot of industry experience in these spaces. Um, and as a individual that also um, started out in a technical field, it, and Lisa, you're you're mentioning as well, like kind of the dwindling that can happen, right? Where you start in a career um, in the technical field, and we're getting a lot more women starting in these technical fields, starting in in, uh, in entry level jobs. But um, we've also seen it dwindle when you go when we go uh, to senior levels or for long tenures in technical careers. Um, so. Um, I'll give this to, to Lucinia. So what advice um, do you have for young women who are starting their technical careers? Um, you know, what, what really kept you going and what can keep them going in, in still such a male-dominated field um, or where there might be bias around women specifically in um, technical careers um, in, um, in business? Yes, Emily, I think one of the key things that I learned, so I've been in technology now for 30 years. And one of the things that I learned throughout my career is oftentimes I wanted something and then I would hear someone say something like, you can't do that, you can't get there. And it's how much of that I let permeate inside of me, how much I allowed that in. So some of that you self-control what you believe you can and cannot do. And I know it sounds like so basic, but it is so true. When I think back to any time in my career where I haven't gone exactly where I wanted to go, when I really self, and I do a retrospective, because I do these things for myself, it was about myself. I let others' comments get in there and I, and I didn't shut it down. And when I do that, it really uh, changes everything. So one is, know where you want to go, but also be ready to take different paths because sometimes different things do show up. Um, I was in a, the company before I joined TD Bank for 23 years, and I didn't think I was leaving. People were surprised, but I was so uh, called. It was like a calling for me to come to be part of this transformation at this scale. And it was uh, scary. So sometimes those big uh, changes bring a lot of growth for you. So I feel a lot of growth. And sometimes you're, someone's saying, well, you're a 30 plus year veteran. You always can grow and learn and learn from others and their perspectives and what they're doing. So I would say is follow those paths too. So that would be the second item. The third is be authentic and be yourself at all times and work for companies that their culture allows you for uh, to do that. And I've been fortunate that I've worked for some very great companies now, uh, TD Bank included, 
And TD has even opened my eyes further of what inclusive and diversity uh, means, what it really means to be that. And I recently at the Latinas in Tech event in New York City shared a story that for many years I, I was told to be less Latina. I didn't know what that meant because I'm Latina. How can you be less of who you are, of your true self? And they told me that I couldn't wear my big hair and my hoops, that I, it was, uh, was not a good look for me. But yet again, I saw other women um, that they could wear it, but for some reason I couldn't. And why was that? So at Latinas in Tech, I, I've been working with a coach. One of the great things uh, TD uh, has offered me through this Senior Vice President Development Program is um, a coach. And I uh, brought back what I call the big hair and the hoops. So it's hair and hoops. And I unveiled Ooh, my hoops hair at that hoops. event. <laughs> and I had my big hair out. And it was very empowering. So that's why I want to end with that is because when you're yourself, you're empowered. So if you have a goal, stick to it. Um, and I know we're going to cover networks and, and mentoring maybe uh, later in this chat, but I, I, I definitely feel like there's a lot about yourself that you really want to believe in and, you know, hear from me here, you have what it takes and believe in yourself. But when you don't, uh, you know, what I do is I read my journal where I write things down from myself to remind myself, you know, that I can get it done. Fantastic. I love this story and, and hair and hoops, like hundred <laughs> percent. Um, Sylvie, what about you? So I have to say Licinia's message totally resonate with me. I totally agree with her about being authentic. Um, and I've had in my past same, similar to Licinia, oh, Sylvie, you, um, you should wear this or wear that because you look too young. We don't, uh, until you start speaking about AI and technology, then we know you have credibility. So you should wear those type of suits. You have an, a French accent. I'm Egyptian. Uh, born and raised in Egypt and grew up in Canada, right? So I have a, an accent. I speak French and Arabic. So for sure, I have an accent in English, but I was always told, <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, do this and, and do that. But I think at the end of the day, as as Lucinia said, you, you need to have confidence and tell yourself, I can do it. And if I have the passion, I think one of the things that I have to tell uh, the younger generation love what you do be passionate about it because when you get the passion there's nothing that could stop you regardless of what people tell you if you're passionate about what you're doing uh, then it, it makes all the difference i think one thing also i learned early on in my career is that don't change who you are but learn to adapt and learn how to communicate differently depending on who's in front of you like in a way use agile and ai or analytics to analyze the folks in front of you and see what is interested what are those folks interested in hearing and adapt your communication style without changing who you are adapt your communication style that's what i would say that i learned uh, and helped me in my career but i think without passion and being authentic um, that's what i would tell women stick to who you are be authentic uh, as Lucinia said and um, and just yeah, be passionate, and you'll be successful. That's yeah, what to I pick, say. Yeah, to pick up on that point, so yeah. you said about communication. That's so important. I would say we underestimate how important that is, even in school, and later in life, and adapting your, you know, knowing your audience, understanding what are the key points, how to get succinct, 
and to the point where you're going to go detailed and we're not. Those are things I continuously work on because I love to live in the detail. But not not, not everyone does. And it's not relevant in every in every setup. So don't take it as negative. It's a positive that you adapt and that you learn the different styles and work with those that are great at it and learn from them. I do a lot of reverse mentoring as well. And I and I get mentored from others that are great in other skills to you know, deepen my skill set. So your wheelhouse can always get better and stronger. But communication is key. I mean, think about it. Everything in life at the end and somewhere around communication. Great. Yeah. No, I I think that's, you know, especially when we're talking about like technical details, technical skills and stuff like that. Sometimes I remember when I first got told like, hey, you're using a lot of jargon, you know, in your conversations and stuff. And I got upset like initially because I was like, but I'm a technical person, I'm going to use jargon, like, you know, and I think it was specifically, you know, this manager was like, you don't sound very warm when you use a lot of jargon. And I was like, I'm not meant to be warm. Like, I'm I'm meant to tell you what the system can and can't do, you know, and but I think I like, that was a not the right way to say that. So I don't agree with how he said that. However, what he was trying to get at was like, hey, there's more effective ways to communicate what the system can and cannot do without using jargon to provide better communication, you know, like, so um, I I always like that. That was one of the things that kind of popped up in my head. Um, I did want to um, just real quickly with both of you guys, um, if I could get um, some, you know, tease out a little bit there on authenticity and what authenticity means to you and how you've worked through your struggles. Like for, for example, uh, Lucini, you, you mentioned that the hair and the hoops. And I think, you know, there's, I've talked with a lot of women around being, you know, sometimes feeling policed for what they're wearing, how they're presenting. You know, I, you know, I have green hair. (laughs) I've also worn things in the workplace where, you know, the women in marketing could wear it, but me as a woman in tech couldn't. Like, because it was, quote unquote, distracting, different things like that. Um, And that was, that's just as like a white woman. So I have additional privilege as well, like in those spaces. So um, for you guys, like, you know, Lucinia, what did you, I think maybe let's take it back to like the specific example that you had. How did you work through that um, in your career when, when people had tell, when people had told you to lessen your hair or not wear certain things? How did you work through that? So what I would say is that it affected me uh, more deeply than I even understood. When people are not embracing who you really are, it affects you in a deep way. It affects the way you show up. It affects your confidence because you're so worried about things that you shouldn't be worried about that you start second guessing yourself and that self doubt creeps in into your life and into your work. And so what I would say is it, when you're a multicultural woman like myself, you know, with 30 years in tech, not only do I face sometimes issues at work, but even in my own culture, I'm one of the few women that travel for work away from the home, from the family. And I do get a lot of support, but I also get feedback around you're leaving again, you're doing this, or you're, why are you uh, working so much? Why do you work so many late hours? Why is this so important to you? So I do get uh, feedback at home as well. 
luckily for myself, my husband, my mother, my sister, you know, my closest family is fairly supportive. But you do get that. So you, you let that all seep in, all that negative. What I would say, that's why it's so important um, to also have mentors. I've had mentors throughout my career and they help me. They're like people that I can talk to and talk about how I'm feeling about it, how I'm feeling about what I'm hearing and also that negative um, feedback. Also finding that power with yourself is the second thing. It's like, we're all very powerful. You have to find that power to break through. And then the third is I have a daughter. And I don't want my daughter to have that self-doubt. She's so fearless. And you know, Sylvie was sharing earlier about leading by example. I think I'm now much stronger than I was at a much younger age, also because I have someone to be strong for, to be a role model for. So that is so important for me uh, to really uh, be that for her. So what I would say is for the young women and you know, at any age, if you're hearing this, really believe in yourself and don't let that self-doubt and then seek others to help you through it. There is nothing wrong with it uh, to seek others to help you and to, you know, sometimes you just need that girlfriend that looks at you and goes, you got this, go, <laughs> get back in there. And, you know, sometimes it could be a male ally. You know, I've had um, peers and, and, and people that I work with that are male that are just there for me as much as women are. And are like, you got this and you go and you can get it done. And feedback is a gift. So if you are hearing feedback, do listen to it. There are golden nuggets in there and you want to incorporate that all so that you can be a better version of yourself every day. Yeah, I but I do like how, you know, you're thinking about feedback and thinking about self-doubt. If you're getting feedback that is increasing your self-doubt, that is decreasing your self-worth, that is making you question yourself to a point of like that anxiety, that's maybe some of the feedback that you want to question, right? You want to get a second opinion. You want to re-reference. You want to think about what is this feedback? What is the environment doing to me personally? And is it ultimately hurting me? And how do I, how do I make sure that like this, this is healthy, you know, so. Yes, that's an excellent point. And that's where those mentors can help you as well. Go through that feedback and understand. And also, depending on who's giving you that feedback, how you also maybe play it back to them. Sometimes people are just not aware that their feedback is not actionable and it's actually um, going down a negative path. And once they become aware, they will self-correct. So I would say that finding that courage to also stand your ground in a, in a respectful way, but saying back, uh, I want you to think about what that feedback you just also gave to me. I want you to think about that. And sometimes giving people that moment to say, let me just think about how I said that. Maybe that didn't come across the way I intended it um, to come across. And I think that's just as important as well. Now, I would say that I learned those skills later in life. I have much thicker skin now, and it is hard. That's why mentors come in and others to help you, and networks like this um, to really help you through it. Great. And uh, Sylvie, what about you? And I know we're getting a little bit low on time, so um, I'll try to – this will be the last question, then we'll go to the uh, professional growth. No problem. So I, honestly, Lysenia said it perfectly. Uh, I believe like her um, – you need to, to be strong and you need to know what makes you happy, right? 
what makes each of us happy is different. So again, I grew up with a mom that stayed home uh, and took care of us. That's the example I've had. And when I was on my first maternity leave, uh, it was the first experience I lived being uh, a year away from work where I, like, again, I'm, I, I was driven by my passion for work. Um, I realized that I was crying and I was feeling like I'm the worst mom because I felt like wanting to be back at home, uh, at home, sorry, at work. But I was telling myself, why, why? You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel like you're the worst mom. Actually, that's your balance in life, right? That's what makes you happy. And by being happy, you'll be happy at home. But you do have to have that support system around you personally, whether it's my husband or my mom. And yes, like Lucinia, you do have folks that look at our career and say, why are you traveling that much? Why are you working that much? Why aren't you uh, uh, with your kids? But the kids see how we are and how happy we are. And the moment that I am with my girls, I focus on my girls and I'm happy with my girls and they see a different lifestyle. And I encourage, like I always tell them, you will need to do what makes you happy, whether it's your career, whether it's staying home, whatever, as long as you stand on your own feet and be independent and then make those choices in the best way. So I really, I really, really, really believe, uh, as Lucinia say, uh, it wasn't easy for women to be where we are because that's not necessarily the examples we've had in the in the past or around us but look look up for those examples that you want and an example i would say i don't think uh senior you knew her it's colleen johnson she used to be the cfo of the bank um and when i early start when i first started my career i was looking up to her i didn't know her personally when i first started but i was looking up to her and she had a family she had kids she had that big career at td and she was happy and nice with people that's the example that i looked up up for and I always told myself then you shouldn't feel guilty if it's not the same path as your mom or any other person as long as internally you're happy go for it and if you're unhappy change and find what makes you happy that's really what I I, I believe in life is too short so I love this and I, I think this is this is really it's really interesting because I this went in a different direction than I was <laughs> expecting around like being career driven and being in technical fields, but also, you know, potentially having cultural impacts around women at home and how traditionally in, in both of your cultures, what I'm hearing is that that is traditionally where women are seen as being the most happy, most effective, both societally and culturally um, within that and how you've, you've had to work through that. And that has been a part of your authenticity journey is that being authentic to both of you is being still career driven while prioritizing your family in those moments, because that's the way that you prioritize your family in the moments that you need to is by serving yourself by being career driven individuals. Yeah. That's a really beautiful story. Thanks. Um, okay. So, um, so now we're, we're, we're getting to our final couple questions here. Um, so uh, what are you guys doing for your own professional growth right now? What's next for you? What's your next on your authenticity journey? Um, you know, what's, what's getting you guys excited? So I'll, I'll start with us, with Sylvie. 
So honestly, being on this podcast is part of the growth. <laughs> I, I also participate in a lot of conferences. Uh, to be honest, I find that participating in conferences, speaking at different school like that actually that came in, in my school is helping me uh, professionally and personally because you get to meet so many people and by networking with so many people, you learn by default. Uh, so that's really how I do it. And when I go to school is I get to know the students. I get to, they ask for, can I guide them in their career? So it gives me again, a lot of professional and personal growth. So, and I do read a lot on uh, reviews of Harvard. I read a lot on LinkedIn. I'm a big reader, um, but doing some of those podcasts and conferences is what, what, what's critical for me for my growth and meeting people and meeting you, Emily, and seeing Lucinda. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. It's great to meet you guys. So, <laughs> um, Lucinia, what about you? So like Sylvie, reading a lot because there's so much happening all the time. So I read a lot of different articles from, and, and I also read from bloggers because I love to get perspective from engineers on what they think themselves. So there's some that um, I read my favorite ones, the pragmatic engineer. So um, that's the one of the blogs I read all the time. Uh, and I would say I also uh, visit with many of our partners and hear what's happening in the industry. Um, you can think about all the large management consulting firms, other tech companies, partners that we work with very closely. And I listen to what they're saying and doing and what they see coming up. You learn a lot from also sitting in with what I would say is peers in other industries. So there's a practice head in one of the management consulting firms that we meet uh, quarterly and we check in with each other. And that is just like more talk to me about how's it going, leading a practice, what are the challenges you're facing? And we, we chat about that. So I learned from those. Right? And myself, I'm leveraging Pluralsight. We, we have Pluralsight and uh, we're driving a lot of skills. I, I took a skill in front of a, an audience, which I did not know, uh, so that I would encourage others um, to learn new skills. And so that was a lot of fun uh, to take a test in front of others, but it was, it was, it was great. And I love it. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on a, on a very specific note, since I like to be detail oriented, I'm learn I'm trying to learn everything I can about large language models, open AI, because it's going to change a lot of the way that technology works. And so that's a space where I'm spending time and learning a lot from others. Uh, that have that background and that deep knowledge and myself taking hands-on um, classes now as well. That's awesome. Great. Um, well, I, I appreciate, really appreciate you guys coming on today um, and um, all your perspectives around authenticity and women in, in data and women in engineering. Um, do you both have any final wisdom um, for our listeners on anything that we've talked about today? So I just would say, follow your passion and be true to yourself, but learn to grow and adapt. That would be my, uh, my point. And I would encourage everyone to um, be active participant in inclusiveness, diversity, not just passive spectators. So it's not just about words, but actions. So if we want to change the world, we need to take actions ourselves. So that would be my two points. 
You know, I don't know how to add to that. I mean, I think that's a great ending, right? It was like bam, bam, bam. Right? I think Sylvie nailed it. uh, (laughs) Right? I think that's amazing right there. Like, you know, be be, be part of that change and drive it and, uh, you know, and leverage agile. Because I know the end is what, you know, I think it's going to help you. And it, it really, it's important to learn it no matter in what field you're in. But yes, I think Sylvie nailed it. So I think we found our perfect ending. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you guys both again uh, for your time today and um, all the amazing wisdom that that you've shared with, with our listeners. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and scrub.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find more inspiring podcast conversations.